Folks, last week we started a series, and I started out by saying that I felt inadequate. And what really what I mean, part of what I was meaning there was I was unsure about whether or not this was the series that we needed to do at this time. Well, after starting that series and the response, and the response has been throughout the whole week, some of you responding, I've realized that this is what we need to do. So this week, I don't feel, I don't feel inadequate. This week, I feel excited. I feel excited to open God's Word to you today to show you what it is that He wants us to know as we get ready for the next step. Because I really believe, and some of you have communicated with and leaders believe this, We've been knowing this for a while. God has something for our church. But we, the leaders have been focusing on us for a while. Where do we need to be? Where do we need to be? But we've come to the conclusion God wants us as a church to be ready. And so this is what this series is about. This series is about us being ready for God, what God has for our church, whatever that might be. I don't have an agenda. We don't have an agenda. We don't know what it is. We just know that he's directing us. And he's stirring our hearts. And so here's what I want you to listen. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me today. This is how you're going to absorb this lesson. You're going to hear me speak, but it's really not important what I say. What's important is what the Spirit of God says to you today. And He will speak to you. If you know Him, if you are trusting in Him, He's going to take things that I say and what the Word communicates, and He's going to speak to each of you individually. And He's going to say things to you. I don't know what they are. My task is simply to communicate. Because what we're going to talk about today is so important. It is so important. We're going to talk about something that most of us here, including George, myself, go about daily without being aware of. And that is that we have a helper. You have a helper. Well, before I tell you about him, let's kind of set it up so that we understand why we have a helper. And kind of set it up a little bit to understand why it's so important. So I want to talk about it because I mentioned it last week. I mentioned how... With the Christian life, you and I operate under this false assumption that we're supposed to go it alone. Do you know what I'm talking about? You've been saved now. He's forgiven you of your sins. You've got that heaven thing worked out. And now you are supposed to just live life by yourself. You try to do what he tells you to do. But how do we do with that? How do we do trying to do what God tells us to do? Do we do a good job with doing what God tells us to do? Probably not. You know that especially when he tells you to stop doing the wrong thing that you're doing and you keep failing. And at some point you're like, forget it, I can't stop. So we're going to talk about going alone, going at, talking about dealing with this going alone thing. We're going to talk about, remember last week we talked about spiritual bankruptcy, that we're spiritually bankrupt and that he invites us to something more. 
So here's some points I want you to see. First of all, spiritual bankruptcy, which is where we all were acknowledging last week, spiritual bankruptcy requires spiritual renewal. Spiritual bankruptcy, that is having that attitude that I'm okay and I can do whatever I want to do and, and I can go it alone and I'm, I'm fine without recognizing that you're naked, that you're, that you're spiritually bankrupt. That requires you to be renewed. You're already saved, but something different has to take place now. You're, you're saved, but your, your, your thinking has gotten clouded. Your heart has grown cold to the things of God. And what needs to happen is there needs to be a renewal of your heart. Remember what David said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. There's a sense in which you need to be renewed. Remember, I was telling you last week, you know, I've been talking to my daughter, and right now, she's, she's in Texas. She's leaving tomorrow to head her way back up here for the summer, but she's in Texas, and she's attending a, a, a little church in Arlington, Texas. She's, she's there. I can already know she's excited to drive out there this morning. She's excited about church. And I, I, I thought to myself, you know, I can remember when I was excited about going to church. What happened? I got cold. I got cynical. I became lifeless. Some of you can remember when you were excited about Jesus. See, that's spiritual bankruptcy, and that needs renewal. Can I tell you another word for renewal? Maybe you've heard this term before. It's called revival. And I'm going to tell you, that's where we are as a church. We need personal revival. And our church needs revival. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. So spiritual bankruptcy requires spiritual renewal. But here's the problem. The problem is we operate with a misunderstanding of the Christian life. The problem is, I'm just going to be honest, and it's easy to get there because, folks, I've been there. It's easy to operate with a misunderstanding of the Christian life. In fact, can I be honest with you? The biggest culprit in you operating on that, with that misunderstanding of the Christian life is a preacher. Because somewhere along the line, someone told you that the Christian life is don't do this, do this, don't go here, go here, dress this way, carry this Bible, do this, do that, don't do that. And, and you're like, oh my goodness, I thought I, I thought I didn't have to do anything with Jesus. But man, when you come to Jesus, he gives you a whole lot to do. I can't do it. He's not the one who gave it to you. Man gave it to you. Man's the one who added all this other stuff, this religious stuff that needs to be taken care of. And what ends up happening is, is you, be, you begin to try to do all that stuff, and guess what happens? 
the life gets sucked out of you. You know what I'm talking about? Kind of like a story I heard years ago about a young guy in a church who uh, he was talking to his preacher, and he was so excited. He just came to Christ, and he was so excited about Jesus and so excited about coming to church, and he would come to prayer meeting, and he would give testimony about what God was doing, and one of the old deacons said to him, Ah, oh, it's okay, Bill. It's okay, Bill. You'll be like us one of these days. And so he went to his preacher and he said, Is that true? I don't want to be like him. The preacher said, I don't want to be like him either. But we end up being like him, right? Life gets sucked out of us. The excitement about Jesus disappears because Jesus all of a sudden becomes this taskmaster. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, how many of you really like the boss who's on your neck all the time about something? In fact, we think of Jesus that way. We have a misunderstanding of the Christian life. And can I tell you what the biggest misunderstanding of the Christian life is? We don't understand the Holy Spirit. In fact, as I was thinking about this passage and praying about it, God brought to mind a passage in Acts chapter 19. I'm going to read it to you. Actually, it's going to be on the screen. It's verses 1 to 2. Here's what it says in verse 1. And it happened that while Apollos was in Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And here's what they responded. So they said to him, we have not so much heard as to whether there is a Holy Spirit. That's what I want you to see. They, they're existing without a concept of the Holy Spirit. And see, I'm, I want you to understand that for a lot of Christians today, we are existing thinking we've got to go it alone because we don't have an understanding of the Holy Spirit. We don't understand what he is. And, and, and part of that is, can I tell you why? Is, is that there's two extremes out there. There's two extremes that are out there. There's, there's the experience-oriented extreme as far as the concept of the Holy Spirit, and then there's the rational extreme. So let me explain both of them to you. Because they're basically deceiving a lot of people. The first one is the experience-oriented. To them, to, there's a whole group of Christians out there who, who basically the Holy Spirit is nothing more than an experience. It's, it's some manifestation of a gift. It's, it's, it's experiencing some sort of craziness or even sometimes not even craziness, but it's, it's, it's some sort of feeling and they look at the Holy Spirit like some sort of power source. Some sort of thing that's supposed to come at your beckoning so that you can experience something. And, and what's, what ends up happening is, is for people who are not opposed to experience, but they're not sure about that, they kind of look at that and say, are you kidding me? That's what the Holy Spirit is? I don't want to have anything to do with that. Wow, that is, is that? And because when they come across, they come across as the authorities on the Holy Spirit. That's one extreme. And if you reject that, we 
oftentimes will swing over to the other extreme, which is the rational orientation, where basically you remove all mystery of God. You remove all supernatural. It's all about what you know, and you know that God lives within you, and that's enough, and that he sealed you, and that's enough. And you don't expect the Holy Spirit to do anything because that would be weird, or that would be mysterious, and that would be supernatural, and that can't possibly be true because as soon as you open yourself up to any concepts of God doing that, then you're afraid you're going to act like one of those other people in that other group. So guess what happens? Most people don't have any clue. Most people don't have any clue about the greatest thing that Jesus could have done for you besides saving you. And that he gave you another person just like him. See, with that experience-oriented crowd, they're missing something, and here's what they're missing. It's a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's God. It's not some experience. It's God. The rational crowd, they're missing it, that God can do something wonderful in your life and supernatural. So what we want to do is come to the balance. We want to understand truth. We're not seeking after an experience, but we're not going to remove that God could possibly do something, that God could maybe even speak to you. And he does. That he could guide you, because that's his task. And say, in fact, that's what we're going to do today. And in fact, here's, here's what we have to embrace the person and work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's what this lesson is about today. This lesson, we're going to go to the Gospel of John. So if you have your, if you have a pew Bible, we're in page 570. We're in, in John chapter 14. We're going to look at a section from John chapter 14. We're going to look at a section from John chapter 15. And we're going to look at a section from John chapter 16. And we're going to understand what Jesus, Jesus himself said about the helper. Who's the helper? The one he sent to be with you because he was going away. And see, you and I need to come to a comprehension that you need to start recognizing that you're not going it alone. You weren't meant to go it alone. That God sent somebody so much better for you. So let's look at it. Let's start, first of all, with John chapter 14. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Look with me at verses fourteen, chapter 14, verses 16 through 18. First of all, 16 through 18. And I will pray, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. And the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. 
So this is the first time he talks about the Holy Spirit, and there are some powerful truths that you and I need to see here. Powerful truths that you and I need to see here. First one is this, and I need you to grasp this first truth, because this, if you want to get ready for the next step for what God has in your life, listen to me, if you want to get ready for the next step what God has in your life, if you want to get ready for the next step of what God has for our church, you've got to grasp this very first point. Here it is. Jesus did not leave you to do life alone. Jesus did not leave you to do life alone. Listen, here's what he says. He says to the disciples, I'm going to leave you. First of all, they're, they're like, they're, they're, their minds are blown. They're not anticipating that Jesus is going to die. Okay, They think he's going to set up the kingdom. He says, I'm going to leave you, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you. One of the other words he uses there is orphans. I'm going to send another comforter, the King James says, another helper. Okay, The word there, the Greek word means parakletos, and what it means, our English words don't truly describe it, helper, comforter, that's all part of it. It, it. it literally means one who comes alongside of. I'm going to send somebody to come alongside of you to do life with you. You're not supposed to do life alone. Do you understand? You Grasp it. Remember how, how frustrating it is trying to live? Would you agree it's frustrating to try to live the Christian life? Everybody agree with that? Nobody's excited here this morning. Would you agree that it's frustrating to do the Christian life? Yes. Okay. Why is it frustrating? Because you think you got to do it alone. Because he set this bar so high. And you think, there's no way I can achieve it. First of all, God, when he sets a bar, he knows you're never going to achieve it. That's because he knows that you can only do it with him. And the person that he gave you to be able to do it is the Holy Spirit, one just like Jesus. Do you understand? One just like Jesus. The Holy Spirit, when you got saved, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, came into your heart, came into your life. Immediately at that moment, he's with you. He's always with you. Now the question is, are you going to go it alone or are you going to let him help you? I used this illustration last week in Sunday school. It's kind of like some of you guys are on a work site. It's kind of like, you know, you've got to dig something on a work site. Maybe you're on a, on, a, on, on a site and you're going to build a house and you've got to dig a foundation. And there you are with your shovel. And there's a backhoe. But you decide you're going to dig that foundation all by yourself with your shovel. While the backhoe's sitting over there with the keys in it. And you're like, I can't get this done. And the boss says, when are you going to get this done? I'm trying. I'm trying. But you never access the backhoe. You know what that's called? Stupid. Isn't that what you would say? That's stupid. Okay, so, okay, let's back it up. You've got the Holy Spirit, God himself. But we're being what? 
There's a few honest people here. We're being what, folks? Stupid about life, right. Can't believe you had me say that, George. No, I'm just telling you to admit it. I'm admitting it. I've been stupid a lot. When it comes to what God wants me to do and accessing him, because he's there. Jesus says right here in this passage, Jesus did not leave you alone to do life. He did not leave you to do life alone. Notice with me now verse 26. Here's the next passage that talks about him in this, path, in this chapter. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Here's the next thing I want you to see about what the Helper does in your life. And some of you probably weren't aware of this, but here's what it is. You need to understand it. Here it is. The Holy Spirit will remind us concerning God's Word and give us insight. The Holy Spirit will remind us of God's word and give us insight. One of the things that I hear all the time, and that really expresses where you're at if you say this, is I hear this all the time. They'll say, well, I don't have your training, George. And I don't know the Bible like you do. Like that's some kind of excuse. Can I be honest with you? If you know Jesus, you have the one who wrote the Bible within you. And if you're not understanding, how about ask him to give you understanding? To give you insight into the passage. And not just so that you can be puffed up with Bible knowledge, so that you know how to live according to what he wants you to do, right? He's the one who will remind you. He's the one who will give you insight. You don't have to operate in ignorance. Can I tell you, some of you, you struggle in your Bible time, in your personal time with the Bible. You struggle and you just give up. Part of the reason why you struggle is because you're approaching it the wrong way. You think it's you going it alone, trying to figure it out on your own. I'm telling you, you're not supposed to do it alone. You're supposed to do it with somebody else. You're sitting down and having a Bible study with Jesus. And it's the Holy Spirit who's there speaking to your heart about what you're reading. What you're reading. So you don't have to have training. You just have to access the one who will what? Remind you and give you insight. That's what he says in this verse. Most of you are operating under this. I'll never know. I'll never understand. The backhoe's on the worksite. Are you going to use it? The backhoe's on the worksite. Are you going to use it? The Holy Spirit is there. Let's go on. One more passage. Let's look. John chapter 15. When I was a young Christian, John chapter 15, the first, first part of John chapter 15 was one of my favorite passages. I got so many different favorite passages of Scripture. But if you go down to verse 26 and 27... 
This is what Jesus says, again, about the Helper, about the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he says. But when the Helper comes, whom I send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. Now, what's he talking about? Here's the point. The Holy Spirit will bear witness concerning Jesus Christ as we do. <laughs> Can I tell you something? This is, you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I have a lot of friends who are in the experience, experience-oriented extreme. But they're missing it. Because the Spirit of God just didn't show up in your life so that you can have an experience. He showed up, number one, to teach you more about Christ. We already talked about that. He showed up so that you would never be alone. Here's the third reason why he showed up in your life. So that when you are talking to people about Jesus, he's the one who works in their heart to give them understanding. It's not you. You ever talk to somebody and you felt like, well, I know I did a terrible job. I wouldn't share like you would share, George. I know I messed it up, and there's no way they'll ever understand. You know what? You just need to share it. It's not you who convinces them. Who convinces them? What's it say there in the passage? Who will testify of Jesus? The Holy Spirit. He's there to help you because he's there to be the one to what? Give people understanding. That's powerful, isn't it? Because so much of when we think about our sharing our faith, we think that we have to be the one to do it alone. I'm alone doing this. No, you're not. He's the one who opens their eyes. He's the one who convinces them of truth. He's the one. See, it's just not an experience, is it? Actually, I'm going to tell you something. I can't think of a far greater experience than watching somebody's eyes open up to the truth because the Spirit of God gave them understanding. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's far better than any kind of experience I see on TV. It's watching somebody's eyes open up to the truth and them coming to Christ because the Holy Spirit worked in their life, right? That's what he calls us to. The, the filling of the Spirit in our lives is so that we can be used to see people come to Christ. He wants to use us so that people would come to know the same Jesus that you know. You're not supposed to go it alone. Isn't that awesome? That's the third thing. Let's, let's continue on. There's a couple more things here. A couple more things. Look with me at chapter 16 now. Look at verse 8 through 11. It says this, and when he, he's talking about the helper, verse 7, he's referring to the helper, but verse 8, when he, the helper, comes, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and I see, and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. What's he talking about here? Well, the Holy Spirit convinces the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. 
It's the Holy Spirit that convinces people that they're doing wrong. The word convict is also translated convince. He's the one who convinces people that they're not doing right. He's the one who convinces them of the judgment to come. He's the one who convinces them of Jesus. We think it's our task to convince people. Ever argued with somebody trying to make them come to an understanding? You ever notice that every time we do that, it doesn't happen? God is the one who does it. You know, it's interesting. I, Billy Graham just recently died, and here's a story from Billy Graham's life. Billy Graham liked golf, okay? Billy Graham liked golf, and he was out, this is probably back in the 70s, he was out golfing with some, on a PGA semi-pro tour. That's where the pros go play golf with celebrities. So Billy Graham was out golfing with some pros. So this pro came in after 18 holes, and he came into the locker room, and he was kicking and fuming and fussing and saying, Oh, that Billy Graham! Ah! And one of the other pros there said, Oh, Billy must have been pretty hard on you. What did he say to you? And that pro golfer stopped for a moment, got quiet, and he said, He didn't say anything. It was his life. That's the Holy Spirit using Billy to convince somebody about their life. And he reacted. See, this is the thing you've got to understand. God uses your life, uses you. The Holy Spirit uses you to convince other people. Some people, they're not convinced. Others, they become believers because of your life. Do you understand? That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. You're not to go this alone. But there's one final thing I want you to see about the helper. Here's one final thing. Look with me at verse 12 through 15 of chapter 16. Jesus said this, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, and he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things the Father has are mine, therefore... I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Here's what I want you to see. Here's the final thing. Okay? And I know a lot of us, we did not even realize this. But I want you to open up and hear. Hear what the Spirit is saying to you today. The Holy Spirit communicates God's will to us. Hey, can I ask you a question? Why don't you think about this for for a moment? Do you think God has a plan for you? You think God has a plan for you? Okay. Who does he tell that plan to? If I got like a special hotline, this week we're going to talk about Bruce. Here's my plan for Bruce. Please let him know. On Tuesday, it's, here's my plan for Tim. 
Wednesday, here's my plan for Lori. I already tell you, she's not going to listen to me. <laughs> no, she will sometimes. <laughs> the question is, will I listen to her? Okay, <laughs> all right. No, no, it's not, it's not anybody else's job to tell you God's plan, but who? God. And how do I know that he has a plan for you? Well, it says that he has already prepared good works for you before the foundation of the earth that you should what? Walk in them. He's telling you here in this passage that the Spirit does not speak to you on his own. The Spirit shares with you what I tell him, Jesus says. So that means that the Spirit of God will what? Speak to you. Do you realize that? Do you realize that? I mean, I can think back as a young Christian. I mean, this is how crazy stuff was. I didn't have a clue, but I should have known. I had a busy day. I was in Columbia, South Carolina, just got off work, and I had to be in Florence, South Carolina. Now, where is that? That's like an hour and a half away from Columbia. Florence is like on 95 if you're heading to Myrtle Beach. You always go through Florence. Those of you who have been to Myrtle Beach, you know you go through Florence, okay? Well, I was going to Florence to visit another pastor. I was a young student, but I was going to visit a pastor. So I am on the back roads of Richland County where I grew up, and I am not doing the speed limit. I am way over the speed limit because I just need to get on I-20 and head west. And i got to book it. So I am cruising down the road. And literally... Somebody said to me, slow down. Because I got to go. Slow down. Two miles later, a South Carolina state trooper was driving the other direction. And I watched him pass me. And I watched him flip around real quick, turn his lights on. And I had to pay a $120 fine that year. <laughs> Thank you, Courtney. Okay. What was going on? You can't convince me it wasn't God telling me to slow down. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Amen. You know what I'm saying? God does speak to you, doesn't he? You're not alone. Okay, what has this got to do with anything, George? Because we were talking about spiritual bankruptcy and... We were talking about being renewed, revival, and, and God preparing us for the next step. Okay, let's bring it all to a close. Okay, let me ask you this question. Only you can answer it. Don't answer it out loud. Answer it in your heart. You understand that you're spiritually bankrupt and you want something more. Right? 
Don't, don't answer it. Just, just in your heart. Okay. And so that means that there has to be this renewal. That there has to be a revival in your heart. And, and you're sitting there and you're understanding that, you know what, it's wonderful at the church we have here. We're going to have a great time going downstairs, gorging on some ice cream and some hot dogs, drinking that sweet tea. But there's got to be something so much more for our church. This can't be what church is about. God, you want something so much more for me and, and our church. And you've told me I'm not alone. You're not, folks. You're not alone. You've never been alone. You hear me? I want you to hear me. You have never been alone. If you know Jesus Christ, from the moment that you put your faith in Christ, you have never been alone. Do you understand me? Amen. You've never been alone. But you weren't aware. You were trying to go it on your own and you can't. And what you need to do is allow him to help you. And that, my friends, is what they called being filled with the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 says this. If you look on the screen, it says, And do not be drunk with wine but be filled with the Spirit of God. Do not be drunk with wine. That's Don't allow anything else to take control of you. What's taking control of you? Is it your ambitions? Is it your dreams? Is it addiction issues? Is it some other thing? Is it work? We can get consumed with work, can't we? Is it family? Some of you, like everything's about family. Is it marriage? I'm going to tell you right now, your marriage is never going to satisfy you. You will always be unsatisfied because only one thing can satisfy you, folks. That's who? Jesus. God. And he's given you the Holy Spirit. He says, don't be drunk with wine, but be what? Filled with the Spirit. What does that filled mean? Well, it, it, use the illustration. When somebody's drunk with wine, who is who's controlling who? The alcohol is controlling the guy, right? You ever live with an alcoholic? I have. But rather than allow something else to control you, you allow who to control you? The Spirit. The Spirit. And so now the question is, and so this is what we're going to close with, this is the question you've got to ask yourself. Do you want to get to the place where you allow him to help you? to bring renewal to your life and experience that fullness again. That's what you have to ask yourself. Let me pray for you.